Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm good, yeah. I'd like it to be a little bit warmer, but I can't complain really. Well, we had a couple of nice days. We did. Actually, maybe a little bit too nice. Oh, I thought they were great. <laughs> they were starting to get a little bit too nice. But it was too nice. It was too nice to be working in my roof. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I was yes. like, yeah, context will change that significantly. Yes. Yes, under a uh, in the top of the house under a hot tin roof with no insulation and no air ventilation it was was pretty. It's pretty warm. toasty, it's yeah. Like Fifty plus <laughs> degrees up there. Ooh, uh, that's a bit too. I can hit forty. Forty, I'm comfortable with. Anything above forty, I'm like, okay, I'm now I'm actually hot. Well, we had thirty nine. That's pretty close to forty. Yeah, which I find lovely, but in yes. a roof, that's yeah, yeah it's no, far no. more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you thankful for this morning? What am I thankful for? Actually, quite quite a lot of things, but something I'm thankful for is other people thinking that I can do things I don't really think I can. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, look, I appreciate your belief in me. <laughs> You're thankful for people believing in you. Yeah. Like, anyway, no, I just could. I just could. So when somebody believes in you and, and, and believes that you can do something that you can't actually do, do you go ahead and have a crack at it just because? Yeah, yeah. Oh, then I'm... This little side, I'm someone who is absolutely bad at saying no because I will be like, I don't want to do that. Oh, you've asked me to do that. You need a person. I'm a person. I'm a person that could do the thing. I can't say I can't do the thing because physically I can do the thing. I better do the thing. Yes, I will. So <laughs> this is not this is not always a good thing. No, this is not. sometimes a good thing because sometimes it's going to stretch your boundaries and you're going to learn new skills and yeah. discover things you didn't have before. Yeah, it's great until it's not like radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Correct. And how are you this morning? I am blessed. Hey, for a awesome. multitude of different reasons. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Uh, what have we got for positively different news? Okay. Well, actually, there's quite a few stories. Um, so in New Zealand, there's a town. It's called Tapanui. Don't actually know where that is. But it only has a population of about 900 people. And a few years ago, um, all the medical stuff pretty much closed. So the hospital closed. They demolished it. The last GP left. For most small towns, when that happens, you're just like, is what it is. Alrighty, we're just going to have to move. But these guys were like, no, 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 we, we need to get this sorted. So, yeah, population of 900 people, they raised, I think it was over $2.5 million. And they've got all their, well, not all, but they've got a bunch of health services back. Um, so, yeah, a group called, I think it's Dad's Army, they raised 25000 just from selling firewood. And this is just... Nice. A, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's a cool little group anyway. And um, it's... I'm not exactly sure how it started, but basically it's a group of guys. They got together, some of them are older, some of them are younger. Um, for some of them, they said it's awesome because it gives them a sense of purpose. Like there's a few guys who don't have employment at the moment, they're looking, and it just gives them something there's to do. There's a few things more, more enjoyable than cutting firewood. Look, I actually can understand that. No, yeah. it is. It is, the, it is the best. It's it's great aerobic exercise. Mm. Uh, you're out in the bush. You're yeah. in a, just a great uh, environment, and you are working with your hands and with chainsaws, which are kind of cool to use, and uh-huh. with you know axes and you're smashing stuff and so just blockbusters. Boy things. Yeah, it's yeah. just the best ever. It's just so much fun. It's like I can't fire word for a hobby. I can understand that. Yeah. 
I think, and I'm seeing on the map that it's Tapa Nui is very south in the South Island. So I imagine it'll be quite cold. So that'll also warm yep. you up. You know, yep. that's a good activity. Yep. Anyway. Lots, of, lots of use for firewood down there. Absolutely. Many months of the year that you'll be using <laughs> yeah, firewood down there. I would never want to be without firewood, to be honest. You just always want to stash. <laughs> but yeah, so these guys got together and they were just selling it. They've done it for ages. Um, and then another man, he was a retired plumber. He raised 100000 by collecting scrap metal. I knew you could get money from scrap metal. I didn't know that you could get that. I mean, I guess you just collect enough and, you know. But there's still, anyway. At, depending on the price of uh, base metals, scrap metal can be a really, really good side gig. Oh, that's good to know. Absolutely. Maybe I just need to have a cheeky um, geezer around there. <laughs> there's been years when I've made thousands of dollars in scrap metal just as a really? side gig. Just sort of collecting stuff that I just find. Wow. I'm just amazed. Like, and there's a whole science to it too, how you separate out all the different metals and this is worth that and that's worth something else. And, that you, you know. have to know all the people that you bring it to know. No, you've got to know because yeah, you've got yeah. to take it to them all separated out. Oh. Yeah, so you don't, if you've got a car and you're going to send it in for scrap, you can send it for scrap and, you know, back in the day I could get about $300 for a car mm-hmm. but if you then strip the car out and you strip out the aluminium, you strip out the wiring, you strip out the starter motor, you strip out the catalytic converter, you strip out the radiator, you strip out, um, you know, <laughs> And, and they all go for the alternator. All of those go for scrap metal at different rates. Whoa. Hey, so you can oh. get way more if you separate. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. I clearly would haven't, be the one who wouldn't get the top. top haven't, done, haven't done scrap metal for a few years now. Mm. Um, a few years back, the, uh, the, the bottom dropped out of base metal prices and it wasn't that great anymore. But they're, they're back up again. But, you know, I just sort of haven't had the opportunity and haven't had the... Uh, the places to collect it from that I was getting there yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but, yeah, I have done that in the past. And I think my dad's pretty good at that, actually. He, he I could imagine yeah. your dad being good at that. that do, this does not surprise yeah. me at all. <laughs> yeah, he's a good one. He's good. But, yes, he, he definitely would know some more things than I do. But, yeah, anyway, so that's I just think go him. For his, like, it was something he was already doing, and then he just found a way to be like, all right. And what I loved about this story was that a bunch of the locals were like, you know what we loved? It just connected us all together. Because yep. they had this common purpose, let's work for the town. Look, I'm assuming in a town that's more, you know most people anyway, but I still think when you work together with people for a common purpose, it always brings you closer. Absolutely. Just standard, that's how it is. Yep. Um, but yeah, so go them. Um, another story, in South Carolina, a couple recently sold what had been their dream, ho- dream home. So they'd been there for like 32 years, you know, and they were like, I don't know, I guess it was time to go. They wanted to stay anonymous, so I don't know how well they are, who they are, whatever. Um, but anyway, so they just wanted to do everything nice. They wanted to make sure the house is, you know, repaired if it needed to be repaired. Um, you know, all the paperwork is in order. They've moved everything out. It's all good to go. Um, yep, they sell up, move. New couple moves in. Um, so James and Clarissa were the new owners. Anyway, as they're just going through, they find um, some little jars and like, oh, what's this? And it was 50 gold and silver coins, which was valued at about $15,000. Um, gold and silver coins? Yes, Okay, so not your average kind of... Not your average uh, coin, uh, no. These old historical coins? Yes. I don't know what specifically, like what historical coins, but yeah, and so... And they, you know, the the former owners, they'd completely forgotten about this. And legally, I don't know how this works, I guess just because it's in the home and they've bought it now. Legally, James and Christopher had the right to be like, yep, it's in our house, it's now our property. Absolutely. But they were like, no, 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 we've got to track these down. So that's what they do. They, they track down where these people are, who they are. Or um, I don't know, they might have met them. It didn't actually say it in the story. And they go take them back. And the old owners were just like, oh, my goodness, like, thank you so much, you know. And they just think, basically, they were like, you know, you reap what you sow because we did everything we could to make the houses nice for them. And look, they've just come and they've done this good thing for us. <laughs> um, yeah, and so 
the old owner said, you know, this is just a great time to um, pause and reflect on how we ch- treat each other. Yeah. And he said that these, you know, this couple is an example for that. And I was like, whoa, because that's pretty significant. And that's also a pretty cool find also. That's a very good, cool find. Yeah. And, and you know, wow. It's, the, the question goes through my mind is how did they know it was the previous owners? It could have been the owners before. Or the, oh. the previous owners built that house maybe. I, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Didn't yeah. say that. We had a story similar to that. I think it was like an envelope with diamonds in it um, up in north Queensland somewhere several years ago that was found that had gone down behind a a drawer and, you know, some people moved out. Forget all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were able to track down the original owners. Amazing. Yeah, it changed people's lives. Yep, yep. And go them, you know, like, because that, I imagine if it's, like, for this, it's a historical thing. I imagine you have a little bit of collecting going on to find that, you know. That's not just your everyday piece of whatever. One would think so, <laughs> indeed. You kind of wonder how you'd forget a cup full of uh, gold and silver coins. <laughs> yeah. hey, maybe they weren't worth much when they were first put away. and Maybe they've just gone up in value since. But there must be a reason you'd collect them. Yeah, they might have been worth a bit. They might have been worth, like, $50 yeah. originally, but, you know... Hey, old, old stuff goes up goes in value, up in value. And, and some old stuff goes up in value much more than other old stuff. So maybe this is true. when they first stored it there, it wasn't worth much. Yeah. Now it's worth a whole heap. Now it's worth a lot more. Man, I don't think I have anything that would increase in value. <laughs> 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 Even if I wanted to like leave something behind and hope for the best, it's, there's just nothing, nothing that valuable in my life. Um, another very quick story, Joss Bost, he's a 91-year-old paraglider. He took it up when he was 72 and um, had an accident the other day and he thought he might lose his hands, but some bystanders pulled him out. He was all good. And now he um, he's just enthusiastic to get back it out, out again as soon as he can afford another one because it got a bit drowned in the water. Good to see people still living their life Absolutely. in their older years. That's fantastic. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, there's a bunch of interesting stories here. Don't know where really, really where to start, but I did say we'd have a COVID update. Of course, uh, COVID was uh, supposedly discovered in uh, Wuhan province in China in late 2019. Um, Italy had its first case the 21st of February 2020, mm. but researchers in Italy now going over 959 samples that were taken from the Milan region where COVID originated from have found that the first there was at least four people who had COVID in northern Italy in September last year 2019 mm. so long That's before it was yeah. long before it was ever reported or discovered or anything otherwise in Wuhan it was alive and well in Italy mm. now there's no question here as to whether it came out of Wuhan or not or not, but what it's saying is that obviously it was in Wuhan a long time before that, and it was spreading around the world a long time before that. Mm. So these were people who, uh, by the end of September, um, had already developed antibodies for COVID, and so you know we know that they had it before the end of September. So at the very latest, they had it sometime in September. Yeah. So this virus has been around longer than what people think it has, and you kind of still. Uh, it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what's actually, uh, you know, what's what's going on with the World Health Organization and what are they telling us and what's, you know, Mm-mm. bit of a challenge right there, bit of a challenge. Who knows what's going on? All right, so Catholic leaders have called for greater transparency in the appointment of bishops. 
This is after uh, an investigation, uh, an explosive 450-page internal report on the appointment of Theodore McCarrick, who rose through the ranks while being a well-known and commonly reported sex offender. He was appointed uh, Archbishop by John Paul II, even though John Paul II was well aware of what this guy was up to. How does that happen? Like, actually? Yeah, I don't know. It's a big question. Uh, I don't understand. I just... You know, the (laughs) political manoeuvrings, considerations... Mm. Friendships. Who knows? I don't have the 450-page report. But John Paul II was well informed of what was taking place and still made him Archbishop. Now, most of this guy's offending was not children. I think there's only been two accusations of children, but he was just a notorious offender, um, a repeat offender, you know, throughout his entire life. Right. Yeah. So he hasn't gone to jail or anything because he didn't do, you know, jailable offences, but... So the transparency is for the people being aware. The bishops are saying, look, the bishops are saying basically our church's uh, name has been dragged through the mud repeatedly over and over and over again. There needs to be greater transparency when you're appointing bishops. You know, the Pope actually needs to listen to what the other bishops are saying. Mm. Um, It's not always going to be, you know, petty jealousies and so forth when they, you know, um, red flag something. So listen up and take notice. Mm. <clears throat> okay, Nicaragua is being hit by uh, Hurricane Iota, Category 5 storm. That's, uh, one of, that's the, the highest category there is. It is making landfall in Nicaragua, 25 kilometres away from where Hurricane Ita made landfall 13 days ago as a Category 4 cyclone and killed 130 people. Oh, so this is going to So smash. this is just a double punch right here. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to smash. The ground is obviously already soaked. And that's going to be flooding. We really got to pray for the people in Nicaragua. Mm. It's described as a being described as a climate bomb exploding over Nicaragua right now. They are estimating that one million people are going to face starvation as a loss of crops in that undeveloped country. Um, and of course, uh, Hurricane Iota is the thirtieth named hurricane this year, which is an all-time record. Are they only named if they're big? Is that how it works? I don't actually yes, know. Yes, <laughs> they're only named if they reach a certain size. Oh, okay. Which yes. is like category? One and above. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know there was anything less than a category one. <laughs> That's where you begin. Yes. Um, so a lot of, you know, your average sort of storm that came through and wiped out a bunch of uh, roofs off of uh, houses here was not named. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Here in Newcastle the other day. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, uh, we don't name every low that comes past. Yes. Um, but big ones, <laughs> yeah. yeah, big ones we um, we do name. Okay, so 100 years uh, since abortion was legalised in, for the first time anywhere in the world, guess where it was? Guess which country was the first one to do so? It was the atheistic, genocidal, Russian, Bolshevik, communist Soviet Union in 1920 that legalised abortion for the first time and since then until now there have been more than one billion recorded legal abortions. Just worldwide you mean or Russia? Mm -mm. Worldwide. One billion. So think of the population of the world right now, add another billion people to it and that's how many people have been killed as a result of abortion. We talk about you know Stalin you know killing 20 million of his own people um, through you know just genocide in his own country, 
but a whole lot more being killed as a result of abortion. 1931, Mexico was interesting, was the uh, second nation to uh, legalise abortion. By the way, what's interesting is that Russia banned it again in 1936 because of the social breakdown that it was causing within the country and then brought it back in in the 1950s um, and since then studies have indicated that um, it has become the traditional method of family planning in Russia. Whoa. Wait, so what did they notice when they're going, ooh, society's breaking down a bit? Like there'd be things that you're seeing like that are observable. What what was that? Was it just... Break down a family yeah, so general, basically or? what they were looking at was that, you know, they wanted to build a strong, you know, communist-based Russia and because abortions had become very, very common um, and women were saying, well, you know, and, 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 the, and the Communist Party was saying, well, women need to be working rather than being mothers. Right. Oh. Uh, that, you know, there wasn't even, you know, the population growth was stagnating. You know, there was yes. a whole bunch of different societal factors that came into play right there. And the and and production was plummeting in Russia by 1936. The quality of uh, material that was being produced in Russia was incredibly low, and this was seen as being one of the reasons. Wow! And then it jumped back up. What did you say in the 50s? Is that what you said? In the 50s, it was uh, where was it? Uh, November 23, 1955. Um, it was uh, the repeal of the prohibition of abortions. Wow. Yeah, so major, major tragedy coming out of um, of Russia right there. Well, you know, on the whole world, and you know, when you look at the when you look at the when you look at the way that globalists look at our world and globalists and the study of globalization and globalists and globalist organizations, very, very interesting because global population explosion has been one of the major themes that have been investigated over the last hundred years because the last hundred years has been when it's uh, really exploded. Evolutionists, of course, look at population explosions among in the natural world where you get, say, for instance, a mouse plague and they all breed up and then mm. they all starve to death and they all disappear. And they say, well, that's exactly what's happening with human beings. And so it does demonstrate one of the ways in which they've tried to curb this has been through abortion and, you know, one-child policy, uh, eugenics, all of these fall into the same category. They're dealing with the same issues and the political agenda of it behind it is pretty much the same. Yeah, wow, right. Wherever you look. Yeah. Far out, hey? Yeah, it's a pretty cold world mm. that values human life so lowly and so poorly, uh, particularly the most vulnerable mm. human life. Yeah. Um, of course, one three one 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 four is the lifeline number if... Uh, if you're experiencing any negative thoughts from this. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.